We ready to drop this thing? Uh, Houston, uh, we are uh, ready. Okay, everybody, let's take it from the top. Atomic batteries to power. Four. Prepare for warp speed. Turbines to speed. Three. Standby transwarp drive. Two. Roger. Ready to move up. On my mark. One. Let's go. This is the Low Down Sports Show with Drew. Yes, sir. And BJ. Let's get at it. And it starts now. Welcome in to another episode of the Low Down Sports Show. This show is brought to you by the Basketball Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Drew. And I'm BJ. And we're here to get the lowdown on all things basketball. Today, we've got a chock-full episode, once again, NBA and WNBA on hand, and of course, some with it or quit it at the end. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, let's get it going. We're going to kick things off this time with some Stephen Curry news. Stephen Curry recently broke the NBA career three-point record, passing Reggie Miller and Ray Allen. I'm going to back that up. Passing Ray Allen for the all-time record, knocking down his 2,974th career three-pointer. BJ, the greatness of Stephen Curry is just undeniable. And the fact that he beat it in so many less games than Ray Allen, I think is the most noteworthy thing about him breaking this record. You talk about, you know, records, and I've, I've seen a lot of takes recently, like what is the record, you know, what is one record that will never be broken? And, you know, first thing I think of is John Stockton's assist record. Yeah. And, you know, at the pace that Stephen Curry's at right now, I think it can be one of those that just can't be broken. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of agree with you there. And then I also think, well, the way that the NBA is these days with so many uh, players prioritizing three-point shooting as opposed to, you know, more – you know, mid-range or, or driving the paint kind of deal, you know, the way the game is played, that you might see somebody break the record uh, again. But, you know, it doesn't feel like it was all that long ago that Ray Allen was passing Reggie Miller and he became the all-time three-point leader. It's crazy but, you think that was 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is crazy um, because it doesn't feel like it. Uh, Not at all. Just, just shows you how old us old heads are getting older. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But, uh yeah, I mean, when when Ray Allen passed, you know, it was there was talk that you know we'd see somebody break it again, and and sure enough, the way that Curry uh, found his three point shot and those Warriors teams from about six or seven years ago, starting off, and and maybe even a little bit before that, the way that Clay Thompson shoots the three, the way that Steph shoots yeah. the three, obviously, uh, you know, it, it was only a matter of time, and then for him to set the new record on basketball's grandest stage at MSG in New York and, and pretty much everybody, regardless of, of, you know, the team you cheer for the team you support, everybody was watching and waiting for him to break that record. And, and they were hoping that he would either do it at home or, you know, with like a 16 point, a 16, three point barrage. Um, But going on the road and and doing it, it gives more of of different fan bases a, a reason to cheer him on. Right. And at Madison Square Garden, nonetheless, for a team that he actually wanted to go to coming out of the draft that he didn't end up being picked by Golden State Warriors, just one pick ahead. And then New York Knicks inevitably getting Jordan Hill, who who I def, I believe is not in yeah. the league anymore to this day. So, 
uh, you know, it's just kind of, you know, just kind of convenient how, how things come full circle. And, you know, he's breaking records on the floor of the team that he was supposed to, you know, or that he wanted right. to go to and on basketball's grandest stage in Madison Square Garden. I mean, it really doesn't yeah. get any, any better than that. So my question is, uh, how many more three-pointers does Johnny Flynn need to break his record now? Quite a oh, few, God. right? <laughs> Way too many. Just think about that for a second. The Minnesota Timberwolves could have had Steph Curry, and they went with Johnny Flynn, who at the time, uh, I mean, you know, he was he had done uh, phenomenal uh, things at Syracuse that I've, I always think back to that six-overtime Big East tournament win over UConn for Johnny Flynn's uh, heroics in that game, but – Man, Steph Curry, you could tell back in college when he was leading Davidson to the near Final Four when they came neck and neck with, with Kansas that he was he was something special. BJ, do you know who he hit the record-breaking three-pointer over? I don't, Drew. It, it's no one special, so I mean, oh, okay. you know, okay. I had to get like, oh, my God, I didn't know it was uh, – but it was, it was Alec Burks. Okay. So he will he will now be remembered in history as the guy who got the record breaking three pointer made over him. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's like one of those things. It's like uh, who who uh, who who has the most interceptions in the NFL or something like that. That kind of record that you don't want to be associated with or all the yeah, other and like some of the most ferocious dunks in NBA history, like the LeBron over Jason Terry. Not yeah. only Jason Terry's oh, going to get remembered for being a uh, all-time Dallas Maverick, but they're always going to remember Boston Celtics, Jason Terry getting jammed on all the time. <laughs> he will always be on that forever That's highlight one the, reel. One of the yeah. first things I think of with Jason Terry, unfortunately. Yeah. And <laughs> as much as I loved him, I was like, well, buddy, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. Wrong place. <laughs> What, wrong so what are you doing in the paint there <laughs> it was a bad idea to even think it was, to be there. It was like, a I terrible idea it was a terrible idea golly oh man <laughs> the record-breaking three came with seven minutes and 33 seconds left in the first quarter as curry drained a 28 footer from the right wing off an assist from do you know who it was andrew Clay? wiggins okay what, well, is that? what are the odds the, of that the, Huh? So, what are the odds of that? The being Andrew oh, I mean, Wiggins. If, if he was out on the if he was out on the court at uh, the same time as Curry, I would say one in four. So oh, <laughs> maybe twenty five percent. All right, all right. <laughs> Curry said it was a beautiful ending to his last week uh, after the game. The build up to getting this number, it was a special atmosphere. I knew the Garden would deliver just in terms of how iconic this place is. I can't say it enough. I appreciate so much the way the fans embraced the moment with me and let me kind of get lost in it. I could feel it. Once I took the shot on the wing, it just felt good, looked good, and it felt like we were at home. It was a special moment for sure that I appreciate and I'll remember for the rest of my life in terms of what it means to me to pass Ray, Curry added, him and Reggie Miller, guys I've looked up to coming into the game, definitely special. And uh, he officially, you know, you know, players have these humble moments, you know, throughout their career, you know, uh, you know, LeBron, you know, for a time wouldn't even think about the reference to the GOAT. And, uh, you know, even, you know, later after uh, mm-hmm. on his HBO show, uh, after he won the 2016 championship, he was like, that one made me the GOAT. And then, you know, Curry goes and breaks this record tonight. He finally accepted donning the greatest shooter of all time there, even though everybody knew he was already anyway. And, yeah. By the time he shatters this record, it's going to be just so in, embedded in everyone's minds that it's not even a question. 
Yeah. I Curry. mean, he, Kurt, Curry still has, I would think, at least five seasons before he probably wants to hang it up, at least. So uh, yeah, plenty of he's, time. Yeah, he he's gonna get to he's gonna get to three thousand this season, and um, and then from there, I I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up with over four thousand three pointers made by the end of his career, maybe close to forty five hundred. Obviously, he'll hit the numbers will will take a bit of a dip uh, as he gets older because he's just not gonna be able to uh, the body's just not gonna be able to recover as quick and and give him as many you know. Uh, opportunities to make those kinds of shots but mm-hmm. i mean he's still got plenty of time to get to numbers that we never even dreamed of a, a player reaching oh yeah he he's he's gonna make that an an almost impossible record for one like it, i don't think it's ever gonna happen as far as like doing it in that span of games like mm-hmm. no it's no. that's just ridiculous if if anybody does it you know at any bit possible you know maybe trey young if he just continues to ascend at the pace that he's at and continues shooting threes in this clip. But, yeah. you know, just the difference in, in the games is just – it's so substantial that it's insane. But, um, you know, he is 33, going to be turning 34 this season in March. So, you know, for point guards, you know, they're, they're only serviceable for so long. Um, yeah. But, you know, they have the advantage. They don't have to worry about the athleticism near as much as, you know, the other players do. But they it still definitely helps and things like that. So, I mean, he's a shooter. He's going to be able to shoot for a while. It's just yeah. about how his body continues to hold up as he gets into his late 30s. So we'll see how long Curry plays. But, you know, still got time to extend that record to a near unreachable feat by the time it's done. Yeah, and, and like you said, I mean, we we talked about it, and we can agree to disagree. I I think it's still possible. We just have to see how high that number climbs, and then you know, ask me again when he retires, and and my answer might be different. Right. We'll just see how it goes. And and BJ, if you could, if you could place a bet or a good guess on someone you think that has who is going to break it or has a legitimate chance to break his record, who would it be? Mm. You know, I mean, that's, that's a good question because you, know, I be tempted to say somebody that's not even in the NBA yet. I, I think that that, I, I don't know if any of the current NBA active players, even those that are, you know, uh, you know, some of the youngest ones in the league today, are, are going to be able are good enough three point shooters to get there. Like you said, I think Trey young is, is a candidate. I think if, if Luka Doncic continues to, to shoot three pointers at, you know, uh, maybe improve his, his, his numbers a bit in that category as we continue to, uh, to see, you know, maybe one of those two. Um, and besides that, I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I, I would think that you'd probably, I, I'm not sure we've seen the next Steph Curry yet. And I don't think that that person's in the league and, and they may not even be in college yet. Um, so I, it may be quite a while before we see uh, a player that says, Hmm, he reminds me of Steph Curry. Wonder how, if he's going to be able to, to play long enough and stay healthy long enough to reach that number. I don't know if there there will ever be another Steph Curry, yeah. but I know there's a guy that is quite similar, and you just mentioned his name, mm-hmm. and that's who I think is going to have a real chance to uh, to break the record. Maybe not in as many games or anything mm-hmm. like that, but uh, you know the type of player he is. You know, it's p- pretty similar style, except for 
Uh, he's, I think he's a better passer than Steph is, especially early on in his career. Uh, that's Trey Young. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if, if you could, you could say his game looks similar to anybody, it's going to be Steph. So um, yeah. if he keeps shooting at the rate he does, you know, he shoots it more efficient than Luca does. You know, Luca shoots it a lot, but he's nowhere near as efficient as Trey nor Steph or anybody yeah. like that. If Clay had not gotten injured, then I would say definitely Clay Thompson yeah. has yeah. a serious chance. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, maybe just depending on how much he continues to shoot it for uh, the rest of his career that he's got, I think he can definitely end up in second, Clay, uh, if if not yeah. third. But, you know, losing two years of basketball, you know, just that that's a lot of shots he did not get to hoist up. So that's that's really going to kill him uh, as far as that race goes to to be the – uh, to try and you know break the record or anything like that, but yeah, you know, and, health and, permitting, uh, you know, I think it's Trey Young. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and uh, another thing that you didn't mention about Trey, the way he was shooting at Oklahoma in his one season there, and and hit the like the his just pure range. Yeah, uh, I, I mean that is probably the closest to uh, you know somebody in that we have. Really? Ooh, well, now that I'm thinking about it, and I think he's already fifth, mm-hmm. James Harden. Mm-hmm. James Harden might have a chance to creep up there. I don't know that he will break it, maybe necessarily, yeah. but, you know, he's he's right there. I believe he's in fifth all-time in three-pointers right now. I can look. Um, okay. I know uh, I know LeBron is up there, but, I mean, he's not, he's not chasing anything like that. Um, but no. uh, I believe Harden's fifth right now. Uh, so, you know, who knows? James Harden uh, might might be able to do something like that. Um, you know, especially at the rate he, he shoots the three ball and uh, you know, the efficiency he's he's shot it at in the past. So there's a chance right there with him because he's already so high up uh on that list. Yeah, uh no, Harden is actually number four right now. So he's, oh, he's ahead, four. Yeah, he's ahead of Kyle Corver for for fourth place. He at least uh, I think this is current as of you know December fifteenth, twenty twenty one. He is fifty ish behind Reggie Miller, and then he that would make mean he would be you know about four hundred or so more behind Ray Allen and, and mm-hmm. Steph Curry at the moment. So it's it's you know I mean James Harden, he's he's uh, I mean maybe maybe I I think it's possible that he could catch up to Allen. Don't know if, if I think he's going to necessarily, you know, pat, cat, catch or pass Steph, though. Right. And um, he's one year younger than Steph, I believe, but they came out yeah. in the same draft class. Uh, mm-hmm. So it just remains to be seen. We'll, we'll see. Harden's got – he's got plenty of years left, you know, health permitting as well. He doesn't shoot it near as efficient. Uh, as Steph does, you know, from three-point range. Steph, I believe, is about 43% for his career. Harden, just 36. So we'll see how yeah, it goes. But uh, bigger news, BJ, uh, on the other side of things, but remaining in the Western Conference side is big bit of Dallas Mavericks news came out early today. Didn't find out until about, uh, you know, middle of the day, afternoon on Wednesday. But uh, – mm-hmm. Big, big story from Tim McMahon about the rift between Luka Doncic and Rick Carlisle uh, and the dissolution of their relationship. 
Um, There's a lot to unpack within this story, BJ. Some things that we knew and some things that we did not know. Um, You know, especially, you know, all the all the sources and the voices, you know, from the previous Mavericks teams that were that were that were bringing it up, you know, talking about, you know, Carlisle trying to, you know, kind of damage the relationship between Smith and and Doncic, saying that uh, Dennis Smith Jr. And that's who we're referring to as Smith here. Uh, DSJ, who was drafted just, you know, the year before uh, Luka Doncic was. And, you know, they played a very brief stint together because of, you know, some of the pieces that are in this story here, BJ. Um, you know, apparently Rick yeah. Carlisle was a big part of the problem uh, early on in, in in how their their kind of backcourt and duo uh, began because they, they started off, you know, BJ, they were they were pretty much best friends. You know, they, uh, you know, DSJ showed him around the city. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he invited him into his social circle of close friends. Uh, They lived in the same apartment building. They spent hours playing video games together. They were tight. You know, they were they were really good friends. You know, you know, uh, their little, you know, little Mavs group of the players that they had, you know, the young guys there. It was DSJ, Luka Doncic and Dorian Finney-Smith. And I always saw Mm -hmm. the post of DSJ talking about the Smith brothers. You know, him and DSJ were really tight, and so were him and Luca. Uh, so, you know, just just the fact of, of what's being unpacked here, it's just the fact that he was kind of making it seem like or he was pitting these two essentially against each other, BJ. Like, what what do you make of that as, you, as you've read this story from Tim McMahon, and does it make you look at Rick Carlisle any bit different? Well, I mean, yes, you you kind of have to. Um, the the fact that I mean, I I don't understand that at all. Uh, you know, trying to pit two of your you know lottery picks in back to back years against each other, I can understand where Carlisle's coming from and thinking that DSJ was not going to be you know the guy to compliment Luca. I, I read in the story uh, that Carlisle wanted Donovan Mitchell, and we kind of have already seen that yes, that might have been a better draft pick. Um, oh, yeah. Of course, you know, if, if some butts were candy and nuts, well, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. But, uh, you know, that's with, with, I, for me at least, I remember when DSJ was drafted and I thought that it was a good pick. I thought that he was going to be able to, you know, um, be able to compliment Dirk and, and, and that team and not necessarily get them to the point where they were a playoff, but it was clear the Mavericks were building and Carlisle just, you know, I, for whatever reason, didn't think that he was as good as, uh, as he could have been. And, you know, obviously he wanted somebody else and you've seen kind of, you know, for DSJ in his career, he's kind of, ever since he left Dallas has, has kind of dropped off just a little bit, you know, averaging yeah. just about 11 in his 11 points per game in his career, little over four assists per game and three rebounds. So, I mean, as much as I hate to say it, Carlisle might have been right, but that doesn't give, you know, a legitimate reason to, you know, pit two of your players together. You're supposed to be building a team dynamic. And, you know, when you have that kind of toxicity, uh, it's clear that you're not going to see success. And, that might've been the thing that's held the Mavericks back in terms of their, not just regular season success, but playoff success the past couple of years, you know, it, it may take them a little bit of time to get back to that, but you can clearly see uh, that bringing in somebody new 
has has done wonders even if it's not translating into wins or lot uh just yet you can tell the chemistry is better i, I agree with you beach and you know just the fact that uh you know, they were a new backcourt. They didn't even really get into half a season together, you know, maybe that uh, at most. And, you know, just yeah. the fact that they were planning to blow it up from the jump is just – it was just – that's that's kind of toxic in itself. You know, mm. let those players get so close just to, just to split them apart, you know, your young guys. And, you know, you know how important relationships are, not just for, you know, anybody in general, but, you know, for, for players in the league, you know, coming in young, um, you know, Dirk veteran out there. And, you know, people are – People are just trying to find their way, um, but you know there's a lot of a lot of issues within uh, not only you know that situation, but within the Mavericks core uh, through Rick Carlisle in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know we mentioned the fact that you know they were he was kind of pitting them against each other, uh, and uh, had determination to make Dennis Smith Jr. essentially miserable. Um, uh, as you heard, you know, and the story indicates from several former players and staffers telling uh, Tim McMahon, ESPN, um, Carl or uh, Luca is just he's he wasn't necessarily, you know, he he had more of a problem with how Carlisle treated people than how Carlisle treated him. Like right, Carlisle right. didn't treat people well. I mean, as as this story clearly indicates, and um, you know, just just how thorough it is, and you know, Doncic realized, you know. And just like everybody does, you know, Carlisle helped bring a championship to Dallas. And, you know, he gets the respect from that. And just just like anywhere, any head coach that brings a championship somewhere, they're going to get respected and they're going to be remembered for a long time, especially if that's their only one. You know, they're going to be revered. They're going to be loved. Like, you know, you were the coach that led this team to the promised land. You brought us our only championship. We will never forget you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the city of Dallas will never forget Rick. Yeah. But we also won't forget, you know, these final years that he gave us that left a bad taste in our mouth for the most part. And and these and that 10 year streak of not getting out of the first round that he left us after the championship as well. So yeah. and this and this story just kind of amplifies everything that, you know, has uh, has really been the problem. And, and you know, uh, somebody from the 1819 uh, champion or not championship, 1819 team said, you know, like what I just echoed, he wasn't really about how Rick treated Luca. It's about it was about Luca hating how Rick treated other people, and right. you saw hints of that throughout. You know, Rick's career as the coach here, um, and and you remember this, BJ, because you know what you this this one point in the story you remember because this happened on live TV when Sala Mesri fouled out quick mm-hmm. with two technical fouls and got tossed from the game. It was very vocal, yeah. and the story came out immediately. That Carlisle said, as he was leaving the court, you've got two expletive points. Get the expletive out of here. Everybody yeah. remembers that. Yeah. When I read it, I was like, yo, I remember that. Because that was, yeah. like, it, in at the time, like, it was funny. Like, just because, like, we didn't know any of this backstory or anything. Or, like, we'd never seen, like, from our point of view, Rick do anything like that. So it's just like, yeah. oh, my gosh. Like, whoa, that's yeah. brutal. Uh, Salah's not the greatest. That's kind of harsh, but it's also a little bit funny. But now, you know, in hindsight, it's like, dang, like mm-hmm. that just kind of, you know, makes us realize how on brand it truly was for Carlisle, not not for us, because we didn't see it in the way that the team and the staff saw it. But, you know, 
that was essentially nothing out of the norm. Uh, you know, he ended up apologizing to Salah about it, but, you know, the team didn't consider that behavior uncharacteristic at all. Well, yeah, not only that, like you said, and, and I think it was also mentioned uh, here, like, uh, in game one of the first round just this past season, uh, Luca got into some early foul trouble and, and kind of blew up at Carlisle and, and you know, didn't uh, wasn't happy that Carlisle wasn't going to let him play through foul trouble. And so uh, Luca was, was just furious and, you know, ultimately – didn't even go to the bench. He went to the, you know, the tunnel and was, you know, resting against the wall. And then after the Clippers possession, he came back and sat on the bench and was doing some more drawing with Carlisle. Ultimately, yeah. Luca calmed down and, and was able to go back in. But I mean, it's just, that's not what you want to, to see is, is, you know, uh, it was kind of the writing on the wall when, your, your star and your coach aren't getting along. You're not going to, you know, the star's not going anywhere. I mean, not, you know, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, unless they've got the choice to, to do so on their own, you're not wanting to, to ship them away. And, and you're hoping that you can salvage something uh, before they get to that point where the, and they would want to leave and, and go to greener pastures. Uh, right. For lack of a better word. Now, BJ, for the Mavericks, you know, this is this is something I was talking talking about on a, a separate podcast. I might have actually mentioned it on here too, but just um, okay. talking about how how Mosley, Jamal Mosley, a former assistant coach of the Dallas Mavericks, as you know, um, was especially mm-hmm. close with the players on the team. That's because you know Carlisle ended up giving Coach Mosley, who was popular with the players, increased responsibilities regarding the managing of player and coaching staff relationships because he was so bad at it and couldn't manage it and, you know, build accurate and good relationships himself. So Mosley, he developed a close bond with Doncic as, as he took on the role. And over the next few years, Carlisle came to consider Mosley a threat, you know, as far as like taking his job. And, you know, just because he was, he was a lot better, you know, close with the players. And, you know, he was a competent enough coach to be a head coach. As you see, he's coaching the Magic right now. Even yeah. though it's a tough situation, they're not doing great, but he's good enough to be a head coach, just like our previous assistant coach, Stephen Silas, is in Houston. Um, believing that Mosley was attempting p- uh, to position himself for Carlisle's job, um, you know, just before, um, you know, and, and Mosley, he was just he was just taking on the role. Um, you know, he's def- he was definitely competent enough to be a head coach, but you know, Carlisle felt threatened. And, you know, ultimately later on when, you know, it came time to talk about an extension on his contract with Mark Cuban and Mark Cuban said, nah, you know, that's essentially, you know, that's where Carlisle was about to read the writing on the wall. And, you know, the belief going into the offseason after the the first round loss in seven games um, to, to the Clippers again, um, it was belief that, you know, Carlisle, I thought, you know, especially he was going to be back one more season. But he was going to be on the hot seat the entire season. So if it yeah. didn't go well, like it could have been a midseason firing, you know, whatever. If he came back, that's what it was going to be like. And I think once, you know, that yeah, and, and it, the way it, that happened, the- he just kind of read writing on the wall. And, and, and what people do in their day-to-day jobs is leave before you get fired. And that's essentially what Carlisle did. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And, and sorry for stepping on your toes there. I, what I was going to say is 
the way the Mavericks have started this season, you we could be talking about if he had come back this year, he would he'd probably be gone by now. Um, you know, even with having some injuries and, and having everything, especially if it was still as toxic as, as it sounds like it was at the end. Um, if, if they were still kind of going through some, some struggles like we've seen early on this season, then, then there's no doubt in my mind that, that the plug would have been pulled and the season pretty much would have been lost because he left in the off season. They were able to get kid in and, you know, you've seen it had some, had some early struggles, Hopefully everything's going to, you know, be, be righted. We've seen, you know, some better basketball, at least the past two games for Dallas uh, going, you know, into Wednesday when they just obliterated Charlotte at home on Monday night. And then, uh, you know, beat a, a Thunder team pretty badly on Sunday, which you'd expect, but nothing has really gone as expected so far for the Mavericks this year's uh, with injuries and everything like that. So, you know, at least before that Laker game, they were getting some things figured out, opening up the bench a little more, you know, having some of those young guys have big pay off with big dividends. And you're hoping that that remains the case, even to the point where when Luca comes back, you don't necessarily have to rely on him to win games. You can, you can, he can have, he can afford to have an off night and you can still beat a good team. Like, let's say like a, a, a Utah or, or a, uh, you know, a, a team like that Milwaukee, for instance. Mm-hmm. Doncic was even at one point questioning or actually multiple occasions, but here's just one, at least one mm-hmm. uh, occasion early on in the 2020, 2021 season said, quote, who's in charge, you or Bob? He did that barking, barking at Carlisle on his way back to the bench during an early season game. He was referring to Mavs, then director of quantitative research, Haralabos, a.k.a. Bob Volgaris, eventually parted ways with the Mavericks, inevitably. I'm not sure of the exact timing. I, you know, I just, you know, he, they, they both ended up leaving, uh, you know, nonetheless. Yeah. But, um, you know, Carlisle and, you know, his situation, he, he ended up, was the biggest problem in making uh, Porzingis feel uncomfortable. Just kind of set him and made him you know, just, just a spot-up three-point guy and didn't believe in his, his post-up game and that he could be any bit effective with it. You know, that's showing uh, – counter to what Carlisle thought this year as per, as Porzingis is extremely productive in the uh, in these post-ups you know traditionally mm-hmm. uh post-ups nowadays in today's NBA is not a good shot but you know Chris Stapp's Porzingis is yeah. you know shooting it so well and so efficiently right now that it is considered a good one and you know his three-point yeah. percentage has gone down a little bit but he's noticeably happier you know, the culture is changing they're not winning as much you know Luca's gone through some injuries and that's part of the problem here uh, with them losing, you know, Porzingis has been out a little bit yeah. as well, as well as Jalen Brunson. So they've had some early season injuries, which has been a part uh, of their recent skid. Um, but, you know, they're still staying afloat in the Western Conference, you know, regardless of everything going on. But, you know, Carlisle just seemed uh, apparently to make, you know, one of the biggest negative impacts in this team, at least ever since Luka Doncic was here. And that is uh, that's a yeah, sad and thing. It, it sounds that uh, way. Itself. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, there's a lot more we can unpack about that story, but we're going to leave it right there. BJ, um, in, any final thoughts on uh, Luca and Carlisle? Yeah. And, and both, uh, both were reached out to uh, Carlisle ultimately had some comments about, uh, Luca, Luca to decline to comment for the story. Um, 
you know, Carlisle said that uh, he had extreme gratitude for his 13 seasons with Mark Cuban and, and the Mavericks, cherishing the memory of the 2011 title run and everything he learned there as a coach. And he said it was an honor to work with generational players like Dirk Nowitzki and Luka Doncic and to see a long list of players develop with the Mavs organization, as well as it was a privilege to witness Luka's genius for three years. He does and will continue to do amazing things every night. I'm excited and appreciative for the opportunity to coach in Indiana and wish the Mavs organization all the best. So uh, obviously, as we said multiple times, he didn't have a problem with Luka, you know, but Luca had a problem with how he treated everybody. And, and I can't fault Luca for that at all. Um, you know, whether, whether you think that you're trying to motivate somebody, you know, uh, which I've never necessarily agreed with that, you know, you know, anger, usually not a good motivator. It, it usually leads to, you know, a, a, the opposite result. Uh, and, and, and it's more detrimental than, than productive. Um, you know, Carlisle is an old head who who thinks that he, you know, can motivate guys and, and, and you know, can if he gets a little mini competition going that both players are going to be performing at, at, you know, at the best that they can and, and it's going to make the team better. And at the end of the day, it didn't work out that way. And so, you know, I, I I'm, I'm not upset that that Carlisle has gone. We're always going to be appreciative of, of what he was able to do here, but just it's not it wasn't a good fit at the end and and like you said it just kind of leaves you with a bad taste in your mouth yeah it does and you know it was evident once he didn't endorse Jamal Mosley uh for the head coaching spot once he parted that he felt threatened you know that was just an an immediate outlier right there like you're just showing your true colors that you know you you weren't the biggest fan of this guy all along, even though everyone else on this team was. BJ, you like some football? Oh, heck yeah, Drew. I love football. Well, football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. Yeah, Drew, and if uh, sports books aren't available in your state just yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. That's right. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with just their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score. With promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older to enter. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-G-A-M-B-L-E-R. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, Drew, it's my favorite time of the episode. It's not time for With It or Quit It, although I do love that one as well. (laughs) Drew, I think it's time because Sunday is the WNBA draft lottery for the 2022. Holy cow, it feels weird to say that. 2022 WNBA draft. So the lottery 
is going to be uh, in between two games of uh, women's college basketball on ESPN. That's, you know, perfect, uh, you know, kind of in between uh, show there. Uh, and it's really going to have four teams that are going to be competing for the top overall pick. You want to go through how this is going to work for me, Drew, just to make sure I understand completely. Yeah, we'll go through it. It's a decent bit to unpack, but we'll try and make, I'll try and make it as brief uh, as I can. You know, four teams will vie for the number one overall pick, the Indiana fever, the Atlanta dream, the Washington mystics and the Dallas wings. ESPN is going to broadcast a 30 minute draft lottery uh, special between the games that you mentioned. Uh, WNBA head of league ops uh, Bethany Donovan will reveal the results of the lottery during ESPN's coverage from Bristol, Connecticut, uh, and present the draft lottery for the 10th consecutive year. Um, so uh, lottery odds are based on cumulative records. Uh, so uh, of the most two recent regular seasons, uh, 2020 and 2021 with a cumulative record of 12 and 42 the Fever will have the best chance to land the top pick uh, in this year's draft because um, they have uh, they had the worst record out of everybody, every team in the league the past two years. Uh, they got a 442 out of 1,000 chance and are guaranteed at least the third pick, so a guaranteed top three pick, even if they don't get number one, which Indiana has had top picks for some years now. They don't necessarily have them all anymore, but – uh, you know, they've, they've had a lot of top picks, but it hasn't translated to wins, BJ. Uh, Atlanta, which posted a combined record over two seasons of 15 and 39, will have 276 chances out of 1,000 to win the top pick. Washington, which reg- registered a two-year record of 21 and 33, has the third most chances with 178. And Dallas has 104 chances after obtaining the 2022 first-round selection from the Los Angeles Sparks, who had a twenty or had a twenty-seven and twenty-seven record over the past two regular seasons, uh, in a trade this past April. Uh, obviously, ball is going to be numbered from one to fourteen. You play us in the lottery machine, and then you know you know how it goes, BJ. You mm-hmm. know they crank they, they, the lever. Mm-hmm. Yep, crank the lever, <laughs> and the selections will be made by the WNBA uh, head of basketball ops. So, um. Dallas, once again, uh, getting one of the top picks in the WNBA. And, and BJ, not only will they get a top four pick, they also have the number six pick in this draft. So, once again, Dallas up there presented Mm -hmm. with a bevy of top picks, BJ, with really two scenarios at hand. And it's because, you know, partially for one reason. Um, Mm -hmm. They have 13 players signed. For the next year. So and there's only 12 roster mm-hmm. spots. So they're going to have to make some tough decisions uh, before and during, you know, this draft process. Because they've already got the youngest team in the league. Now they drafted, yeah. you know, top picks year after year. The number one and two pick last year. The number two pick mm-hmm. before that. And the number five pick before that. So, yeah. And, you know, they made the playoffs this year after missing a a couple of consecutive seasons. And, you know, fans in Dallas are clamoring for a first-round victory. They haven't Mm -hmm. seen one as a franchise yet. And they now have two all-stars and a decent bit of young depth. That doesn't mean they need to draft more. 
It's time for them to make some serious trade moves and bring in another star to go along with Satu Sabali and Enrique Agumawale. Mm-hmm. And, you know, who knows what they're going to do? I don't even know yet, but when I know, I'll let you know. Absolutely. Uh, but they have got to make a, what I would say needs to be a blockbuster move this offseason, BJ. I thought they should have made it last year when they had some some bigger fish they could have gotten, like Natasha Howard in the offseason, mm-hmm. who's now actually playing overseas with Arike Agunbawale on Dynamo Kursk, or Kursk, if I said that right, uh, overseas basketball. So, I mean, they're building chemistry. If, if they had been teammates, you know, that chemistry would just be through the roof. But now she's in New yeah. York. Uh, so, you know, that's really not feasible now unless you know new york is willing to trade them away uh but you know who knows what's going to happen they're already looking for a new head coach so that's not their first priority yeah Um, the head coach is but you know bj it's 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 puzzling because i really don't know if you know the administration is going to make the right decision because they've they've had this opportunity to do some things different over the years instead of drafting you know one two five and I think it was seven seven or eight last year you know you know so many top picks uh you know they ended up you know moving one yeah. away so they acquired Charlie Collier with the number one pick uh Awak Kawir with the number two pick and then Chelsea Dungey with the fifth pick um mm-hmm. but but man you can't afford to get younger you know this this is a no. league where like you've you've only seen the youngest team in the league win the championship one time this team has existed for, or this league has existed as, oh goodness, has existed. Oh my goodness, has existed for 25 years, and only one time did the youngest team win it. And it's not going to happen in today's WNBA. And it's not going to happen anytime soon. Like, yes, there's a lot of talent here, but it's not enough talent and, and veteran leadership to win a championship. So. They've got to make some moves, some tough ones that are. I mean, they've had to make tough cuts in in training camp the past couple of years, but it's time to make the big trade that you need to make to put yourself in position to make a run in the playoffs. Especially with this new format, you know, the Dallas fans are going to get to see their team play if they're in the playoffs at least one time. That's a guarantee. There will be at least one playoff game in the city of Dallas or in Arlington, yeah. technically. But. You know, this draft lottery, if they get the number one pick, that is going to be the most – it's so valuable. You know, arguably it is a more valuable pick uh, at number one than it was last year. You know, projections mm-hmm. right now for, you know, top three, looking at Ryan Howard, Melissa Smith, uh, Ashley Jones, or – ooh, I, don't, I hope I didn't say her name right, J-O-E-N-S. Uh, and then, you know, four, Nas Hillman. And five, Shakira Austin. You know, that's just a current projection right now. There's still other players uh, at the top, like Avina Westbrook from UConn, uh, Nayara Sabali from Oregon. You know, Dallas might be using that number six to grab, uh, you know, Sabali's sister and pair those two up in Dallas. Who knows? You know, I'm fine, you know, with one pick, you know, like using the six. But the top four, you have to – you got to ship that and some players to get a big fish. I feel like you really have to do that, BJ. What, what do you think? And uh, what are the odds that <laughs> that the Indiana Fever finally come out of the slums and make a difference in the WNBA this year? Because they haven't had an above 500 season since Tamika Catchings retired in 2016. 
So, okay. So say the question again, just make sure I understood that correctly. Um, just do you think no matter what pick it is, one, two, or three for the fever, because they're guaranteed one of the top three, will this be the, the pick that finally makes a difference for the team to pick or the off season where the Indiana fever in themselves are finally going to have a decent season because they haven't had an above 500 years since Tamika retired in 2016. You got to hope so. You got to hope so. Um, I don't know if necessarily it's just one player is going to make that difference. Although if, if they do uh, uh, take Ryan Howard as, as, um, as we've talked about, I think that they would be getting the best player in this year's draft class. Um, and I mean, she'll make a, a big time dividend regardless. Uh, but I, I just, I want to say yes. I want to say that that it'll, you know, that that she'll be able to help the team to have some success this year. I just, I don't know. I, I don't, yeah. I don't think it's it's just one. They're just one player away. Uh, I think they they, you know, might might kind of need to look at a strategy like we talk about with with Dallas and. You know, maybe not necessarily trade the number one for for you know that kind of playmaker, but um, I think you got to get you got to draft smart and and maybe try. Oh, I don't know. I'm I I think you got to at least get Ryan Howard. You know, get her talent in there, and uh, you know maybe maybe it's not this year, but next year is the uh, is going to be the uh, the one that. Uh, that gets it done. Here are my predictions for how the balls are going to drop on Sunday and the order. And this is just not only me hoping for a, a favorable way to go, but you know, I just, I don't know. I got a weird feeling. So I think number one going to be the Dallas wings going to end up getting the number one pick and people are going to be like, Oh my God, they better trade it. Blah, blah, blah. There they go. And second, I think is going to be the Washington Mystics, then the Indiana Fever, and then the Atlanta Dream. So we backtrack again. Dallas, Washington, Indiana, Atlanta. I think that's good. I mean, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see how the uh... – we'll cut that out. Sorry about that. My mom just got home. Uh, okay. So go over your order again for me, real quick. Dallas Wings, Washington Mystics, Indiana Fever, Atlanta Dream. I think it's interesting. Um, I don't know. I don't think the balls are going to bounce uh, Dallas's way this time around. I um, it's fair. I think I think it's. it's I, It's gonna. I think Atlanta gets number one, Indiana two, Dallas three, Washington four. I mean, it could be wrong, but um, I, I you saw everything. Uh, you know, the past couple of years work out well for for Dallas, and I I just I think they're gonna pick this year at least. I'm mainly just saying this because they need it. Not not to draft him, but to be able to have one of the more valuable picks to ship it. I think, uh, you know, you got to well, have absolutely. a top two just so, you know, most people can have, you know, their pick, you know, whoever gets it. Uh, so, I mean, that was really just a they need it type selection. 
I, you know, I, I don't actually believe that they'll get it, but that, you know, that's just the way I'm kind of leaning anyway. So, you know, the balls will fall as they yeah. may. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes in the end, but the draft lottery, like we said, going to be on Sunday. So guys, make sure you go check that out at 3 PM Eastern time two central standard time for all my people in Texas and around here, all my Dallas fans be in front of that TV at two o'clock on ESPN. So we'll see how the, how the ping pong balls fall. And if Dallas has luck once again. Absolutely. All right, Drew, I guess it's time to play some with it or quit it. Is it not? It's about that time. <laughs> well, Drew, as, as, uh, as we have been doing uh, the month of December, I do have a uh, special holiday-themed question for you, but I'm not going to tell you where it's going to pop up. So okay. it, without further ado, let's start. With it or quit it. Number one, Drew. This is an NBA-themed question. Okay. Both Kyrie Irving and Damian Lillard will be on new teams before the end of this season. Are you with it or are you going to quit it? Uh, I really believe that one of them will. Don't know about Dame. Uh, I'm going to quit it just because I'm unsure about Dame. I don't know. I, I feel like at, at the worst, you know, he leaves at the end of the year. I don't know about midseason. You know, it's just Dame doesn't seem like that guy who's going to, you know, request the midseason trade or anything like that and, you know, at least stick it out and then maybe jump ship. But Kyrie is a serious possibility, man. I, I just, I just don't see, you know, him staying with the Nets just because of the scenario that's, you know, just unfoiled for them uh, so far. He hasn't played yet. Uh, you know, this, I think he, he posted a, a picture or a video of him putting on some basketball shoes. Uh, so, you know, he, he might be cleared soon. I don't know. There, there's some parameters around. I, I don't know. But it just doesn't seem like it's going to work out with the Brooklyn scenario. And, you know, they're winning a lot without him. I believe they're. Either uh, I think they're 19 and eight now after the win against uh, Toronto. So they don't necessarily need him. Could they use him? Yes. Uh, would it be yeah. a big boost to help win a championship? Absolutely. I mean, he's a champion. He hit one of the biggest shots in NBA Finals history. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, it it would definitely behoove Brooklyn to keep you know trying to get him back. But I don't know that they will. But I don't I don't think both of them. Uh, getting moved before the end of the season, quit it. Okay, so you you think that Kyrie's more likely because he would request it rather than the pay, the Trailblazers sending Lillard off because it's more of a necessity because they're getting ready to go into tank mode. Well, I mean, I I think this main I think that Dame won't request it, and just that Kyrie might end up forcing the Nets' hand just because okay. of the scenario so far. Okay. That ends my uh, right. my streak Respect of on that. So Drew says quit it to number one. <laughs> yeah, it was going on like six or seven there for a moment. So yeah, all right, good. I got got finally got you. Finally got you with one. <laughs> all right, number two. You might get more than just one quit it in this uh, position. Oh, man. 
All right. We kind of hinted at it. You, I think, have already given your answer to this. But before I knew what your draft order was going to be, I asked, will the Dallas Wings get one of the top three picks in the WNBA draft having the worst odds at the number one pick? Do they end up, you know, will they will get one of the top three picks is basically the question. Are you with it or quit? With it. With it. I think they get a top three. I, did, I don't think they're destined to stay there at four. You know, Dallas just has this weird luck where they get these top picks. Uh, I, I see a top three coming. I see a top three coming with it. All right. All There's right. no science behind it. I don't have any sources. It's just, it's just in this gut right here. He he uh, he looked in the envelope early, folks. No, <laughs> a, got a magic ball over here. I can see into the future. I asked my, my magic eight ball. That crystal ball prediction. <laughs> All right, another one that we already kind of talked about, and I think I know what your answer is going to be. But number three, in the next ten years, Steph Curry will see his three point record broken with it. Ten years? Ten years. <sighs> That's, uh, I don't know. It's just a healthy Trey Young might could do it. I, I don't know, yeah. man. Uh, mm. Well, I mean, the re- he's about to extend it. So, I mean, in 10 years, he's right. I mean, he's probably going to be like, I don't know, close to, you know, 3,300 or something like that. You know, that many yeah, more maybe more. Maybe more than that. So I'm going to say quit it just because it's going to be even, it's going to be even, even, an even bigger record, uh, even, you know, in 10 years because he's going to retire probably in around five or six. So you're saying quit it? Quit it. All right. I figured that was going to be your answer. That kind of what we talked about earlier about the way the NBA is adapting. I thought maybe, but it's it maybe maybe not ten years. Maybe I set the the uh, parameter a bit too soon. Maybe it'll take a little bit longer than that. I don't know. You know, ten like I I thought about saying Trey, but I'm just so unsure about you know how his career is going to go. Um, you know, just if, if he's going to be able to you know keep shooting at yeah. that clip or anything like that. So. I mean, in 10 years for Trey, I mean, that's, that's what, 13 years in the league. That's, uh, you know, that, that would be where Steph is right now, his 13th year. Uh, so yeah. um, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm, gonna, I'm just going to, I'm going to take, no, I'm going to say quit it. Sounds good. All right. Uh, yeah. I, I just, I, I have to with you there. I think maybe if I'd given you more, you would have said, but quit it number two. All right. Yeah. Question number four. The first name taken off in the WNBA draft board, the first name that will be uh, going to the whoever gets the number one overall overall pick, will be Nalissa Smith from Baylor instead of Ryan Howard. With it or quit it? With it. With it. Ooh. I think she's the best player Ooh. coming out of college basketball this year dynamic player i mean she's going to be able to be versatile for the team at six two i mean she does play the power forward but i mean um you know still i, th- I still think she's the best player coming out and you know it remains to be seen who's going to be better than her it's just 
know, there's a chance somebody could take, you know, someone else just because it's exactly what they need. But I really think it's going to be an Alyssa Smith. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Look at that. We've just got a clippable moment, I feel like. <laughs> All right. And last but not least, number five. Well, I'll tell you what, I know what my mother would say if she was playing the game. But number five, Die Hard is a Christmas movie and a good one at that. With it or quit it? <sighs> quit it. <laughs> quit it. No, no, no. That's the no. wrong opinion to have. It's not a Christmas movie. It's not. Let it go. Uh, okay. How how is it not? How is it not? You have to answer. Tell me that. how it is. It takes place at Christmas time. That's the sole reason why Home Alone is a Christmas movie. No. Yes. No, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Yeah, it is a Christmas movie. It's not. It, it, you can have a Christmas action. But you said one of the die best. Hard well, so, I mean, I'm still quitting it because I don't think it's one of the best. Okay. But but I, I said, is it a Christmas movie? Not, is it the best, best Christmas movie? I just said, it is a Christmas movie. That was the question. I thought you said Andy's one of the best. I said it, it's a good one. Uh, oh, yeah, and a good one at that. Yeah. <sighs> I would just say no. I'm just I'm just sticking with no. Quit it. Quit, 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 quit it. I'm gonna tell you to quit it with that opinion. But that, that's gonna that's gonna wrap it up. That's all I got for this week. We'll we'll uh we'll have some more of that next week for the uh the Christmas episode. Uh it'll be all Christmas themed for for with it or quit it. But I had to get that in this week because because next week it could be, you know, the the best Christmas movie and not including Die Hard in that or you know, the best song, the best, you know, n- maybe not superlatives, but, but we'll do something fun next week. I've already done the best Christmas movie. I said it was Mickey's once upon Christmas. That's true. And it is. That is true. I, I would take the, I still take the field, but it is a good. Okay. One. No, I mean, it's very it, fair to take the field. It's <laughs> very fair. I mean, yeah. I'm just biased. I love the. <laughs> that's true. That's again. true. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that's gonna wrap things up though, ladies and gentlemen, for this episode of the lowdown. If you're not already, make sure you follow our show on Twitter and Instagram now. We do now have an Instagram. Same at it's at the underscore lowdown. That's T-H-A underscore lowdown on Twitter and Instagram. And feel free to follow BJ and I on Twitter and Instagram as well. I believe your handle is the same on Instagram, isn't it, BJ? Correct. Yes. Yes. So you know our handles are the same at Uncle Drew WNBA and at BJ Laudermilk on both of those platforms. And make sure you check out the rest of the Basketball Podcast Network shows throughout the week that go on. And we will see you guys next week for another episode of the Lowdown.